What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. I was listening to How to Do the Work, a book by Dr. Nicole LaPera, and I can't even begin to unpack all of the ways that I find it revealing parts of myself to me. I think everyone should read this book or listen to it on Audible. But I did want to riff on a topic that she covers. That is something that I have thought about for a long time and something that bothers me a lot about the baggage that we carry into our relationships. All of this relates to the larger umbrella of attachment theory. The way that she explains trauma bonds is relationships where two people unconsciously act out trauma patterns from their childhood into their adult relationships. Usually, these type of relationships are attachments that feel consuming, passionate, and highly addictive. They are usually formed in childhood through our early attachments from our primary caregivers. If our caregivers were inconsistent, neglectful, or abusive, we learn to associate love with those feelings, to pain and chaos and inconsistency and neglect. These type of relationships also usually have cycles of highs and lows, intense love and then abuse and detachment and abandonment. And again, because we learned what this looks like in childhood, we confuse it for love in our adulthood. All the pain, all the chaos we think comes along with the love that we have to earn. I think if you're honest, you will find yourself play this out in your life at some point. What bothers me about this is a couple things that I want to go into. And to be very clear, the part of me that it bothers is the part that is very idealistic, detached from reality, and lives in a fantasy and wants to believe in the Disney version of relationships. So I am quite aware that what I'm going to go into is probably fighting reality and maybe not useful at all. But ideals exist for a reason. And there's probably good reason for us to keep them around, even if they are entirely unattainable. Also, if you stick with me, I think I find what I am looking for anyway, but it's on the other side of where I've been looking. There is a naive part of me that wants to believe in the idea of unconditional love. Love that exists for the sake of the love that is felt and no more. And the part of me that is bothered by this and it's something that I've thought about a lot through my own trials in my own life, through my own relationships. The problem with the real harsh reality of trauma is that it leaves us with voids and ideas of what love looks like. And because on the most primal level, love is belonging, love is acceptance, love is safety and security on the most fundamental learned levels of our childhood. And because love is all of those things, it in itself loses the ability to be unconditional. In essence, love exists then on the condition of safety, on the condition of being provided for, on the condition of what leads to survival. And just the fact that love holds such a high pedestal makes it that it has to by all means be acquired or sought for or else. No security, no survival, no safety. The very fact that love is something we need so much makes it hard for me to look at love as something that can be divorced from need 
at all. And that's what bothers me. So in a sense, we love to fill a need, the need to survive, which is the greatest of all needs, but a need nonetheless. And you can see how this would bother my idealistic version of love, because there is a real visceral part of me, that part at least, that wants the kind of love that doesn't come with all these needs, that doesn't come with love having an agenda or an intention of a need to be filled. And the very fact that it is not that cheapens the love for me a little bit. It brings love down to a very human plane with all these needs and all this baggage and not at all the expression of divinity that I think of love as. And sadly, so much of this is unconscious that I don't even know if we can hold each other accountable for it or request it or expect it from each other. It's baked in with needs. And my feelings when I think about this turn a bit nihilistic. It feels like everything loses meaning because the way that I see trauma bonds or the very fact that we all bond for filling the voids our traumas left behind is like two broken people looking for themselves in the other. And maybe that's what we're supposed to do for each other in some sense, and I'll go into that in a bit. If I think about my relationships, and I have thought about this plenty of times, because you don't just pair with anyone, and because even in your friendships, you are more likely to resonate with one person and one type of person than another person, right? You don't become best friends with everybody. The thought has crossed my mind about why that is, why that person is it possible that this person sees something in me that is missing in them or that complements them or that somehow fills a need for them that then results in us having the bond that we have? Is it possible that I am also unconsciously doing the same thing with them? And if that is the case, then it is our unconscious needs that resulted in us being close friends. It's the reason why we have a bond not some sustaining qualities or measurable difference in comparison to another person. I'm not special, it's just that you saw your need in me. Just the fact that I look like where you can get your needs met, and they look like maybe where I can get my needs met, that we become and maybe remain friends. And again, ask yourself, doesn't that cheapen it a bit? I don't want our relationships to be only what it is because on some level, we both get our needs met. The needs left behind by our voids created by our traumas. Because am I really serving you at that point? Or am I just a means to an end? And then that's where I started to think about, well, then how do we serve each other? And is it possible that the relationship would even survive past those needs being met? Am I just supposed to serve you until those needs are met? For example, were the seasonal people in your life only seasonal for a reason? because you had temporary needs that they met or lessons that you needed to learn and once you did, their work was done. So then in a sense, true service would be to free you of the need of me and then see where that lands us, whether I become seasonal or not. But keeping you around just for the sake of keeping you around where I don't fill that need or I take away that need and I play that game doesn't seem like service to me. When I thought about this, I had parts of episode 227, Leading in Love, come to mind. In reconciling it with the idea of trauma bonds, here's what I came up with to further that thought. 
in that episode, please go listen to it. I mentioned that when we raise kids or have people we are responsible for leading, we tend to do the leading with the agenda of leading them into our frame, into our way of seeing things. And if you are leading that way, then what you are doing is creating followers, clones of yourself. And a true leader does exactly the opposite. A leader who leads in love does it while leading the person into leadership themselves. Leaders create more leaders. Essentially, a good leader would lead you out of his own frame, do a disservice to himself while serving you, and hopefully into a much more expansive one that you create yourself. And I think in bringing this back to trauma bonds and the aforementioned begrudging source of nihilism that I feel, I think that if there was any way to get to an ideal sense of love, an ideal sense of friendship that is divorced from need at all, I think it would be to somehow solve for the need on some fundamental level. Meaning, if a person is in your life to fill their void on some unconscious level, I don't see the solution being in the void. But I do see it in the filling and the overflowing of that void, if you can recognize it. And this is why I think you should read the book and learn about what voids are left behind from our childhood traumas. And then I get examples of this come up in my head where I have successfully seen this play out in my own life. At any given turn in life, it is not obviously guaranteed that you will encounter people with the same values as you, same ethics, same sense of morals and principles or ways of being or behaving in relationships. Obviously not, right? So of course, I have met people who behave completely different than I would like them to behave. I have met people who are not as honest as I would like, not as forthcoming, not as willing to share, not as giving, not as generous with their money, not as willing to do even simple things like driving somewhere to pick up a friend. All the things that I value and try to give, I have met people who are not like this. And because I do not anchor my way of being to how someone else is, I won't deprive them that version of me because they are not that way with me. I have seen the result of that play out in my favor multiple times that even allows me to connect those dots today that I did not purposely do to solve for what I'm trying to suggest here. I didn't do it because I strategically understood what I was doing. I was just filling the things that I value for them. And I've seen people be the exact opposite from the ways that they started out. My friends who will drive hours to just come get me, who in the beginning wouldn't even go get me my medicine from down the block. I've seen this play out. I understand that people have their own ways of being. So I don't start out depriving them. I have friends from all walks of life. And because I don't judge them for not being the same as me, I have had the ability and then the blessing to get to this eventual converging of our values over time. I realize that people are that way because they didn't get something in their childhood that I did or in their environment in general while growing up. If someone is not generous with money, I just accept that maybe they had to fight for everything they had while they were growing up. Maybe there's a reason they feel the need to preserve or something feels threatened. Maybe they just had a bunch of not generous people around them and never saw an example of different. I have friends who, in their own family, claimed the things that were in the refrigerator. And if you ate my thing, it would be a fight. I've never grown up like this. 
And I've seen these friends be completely different with examples of different around them. We just need examples to expand. And it, I don't fault the person for not having those around them in the beginning, in their childhood. So I try to be that. Because without agenda, just being myself and continuing to live out my values regardless of how a person is with me, I have literally seen these same people shapeshift into the most generous of beings. And it's not always the case. Trust me, you run the risk of being used because some people have deeper voids than you can ever fill. But my philosophy in life has always been that I want to be used and I want to be used up like a mop, wrung like a mop before I'm gone. So if my generosity goes unreciprocated or enables the person even more, then it is not up to me to do the accounting for that. There are greater forces in which I believe the deposits are being made and I don't fret over the imbalances with the humans in front of me. What I'm suggesting though, in most cases, which deeply relates to this topic of trauma bonds, is that if you were to get to a place of abundance in any of these values, if you were ever to get there, if you were ever get to a place of unconditional love, unconditional being and giving, it can only happen through the overflow. Essentially like leading in love. It is our job in our relationships to create a container in which the other person can maybe at first get all their needs met. Maybe that's all we are in the beginning, but over time, learn they themselves learn that their needs are not threatened in the first place, that they have access to them in us at any given time. It becomes our jobs and our bonds that maybe started out to fill our voids, maybe bonded by trauma in the beginning. The real service from there becomes us filling those needs to the extent where the person no longer needs to play out their traumas with us because they have within us an unquestioned baseline of stability that they didn't have in their childhood. And listen, I am not naive about this. I think an unconscious traumatic person will try their hardest to recreate the hot and cold environment and keep the wounds on their trauma body alive because that's what they have learned so deeply what love is and what it looks like. It will probably take a long time to break out of that. But if there was ever a way to uncheapen, if that's a word, or to have true value in the love that we share, it definitely cannot happen through maintaining that void because the needs will never be filled. It can only come through the filling of that void to the point where the other person has their needs met on a stable ground, a one that does not reflect or look like the struggle for love that they learned in their childhood. Their survival, your love cannot ever come into question. The same as the person who does not share your values and is not as generous or not as fill in the blank. The only solution is to love them into abundance. Love them into abundance. Unconditional love isn't found. It is created by this container that overflows. Freeing the other person from the trauma so that they can actually love without their survival feeling threatened. It becomes unconditional when stable conditions have been met. And it is not something that's just waiting out there on the surface of everyone waiting for us to encounter. Unconditional love, generosity, values, and principles. The capacity, though, of all of this is dormant within us. 
It is just that the ground we have walked on has been shaken so many times that everything we emote is soiled by the need to take shelter. And the older we get, the more we live by our hearts, the harder it becomes to shed this tendency. Here's what I realized. If I want to see unconditional love in this world, if I want any chance of realizing my ideal in my short time here, it will only happen by behaving as if it already is as such. And of course, there's a lifelong journey of my own in uncovering my own needs and traumas that I bring into my relationships because of my own voids. And But the only solution I see from everything I uncover about myself even is to use that awareness and sensitivity about what I learn to try and give that to myself by giving it to others. It's like when they say, if you don't know what to do, add value to somebody else. That's the only thing I have ever seen work. And maybe even all of this, my need for ideal love is a trauma response in itself. I guess that's something to ponder on. But if I was to be an example of giving what I want to get and fill people up in all the ways I wish I was filled, I can't see how that wouldn't break through some trauma. Sounds like it would be a net positive for the world regardless. It is through your love that you get to real, unconditional, durable love. And it's only right because love is an act of service. Love is an act of obedience. It serves to the highest order of love. So in the beginning, while it might not feel like the love that you had in mind, it is ultimately through the bowing in service, the not looking to get the bowing in service to that love that you have any chance of leading to the disrobing of the garbs of our ego's dictates. Unless and until we can transcend the human desires from the love, until our thirsts are quenched, until we stop seeking from the love, our love can never be unconditional. Love you, family. Stay true, always. See you on the next show.